welcome to the 119th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, you scabrous dogs. My name is Bill Bodkin, formerly a black beard, but now a gray beard. Uh, I'm your host of this podcast and the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. I stopped doing that accent because it was just so intense. Um, welcome to our pod means death episode 119, which means we're going to be talking about the hit HBO Max series, Our Flag Means Death. However, a little caveat, our concept for this podcast was uh, rated and boarded by a party we were not expecting, just like any good pirate would. Uh, everything that happened with Warner Brothers Discovery and HBO Max. So this will be a two-part podcast. Our first part, we will be talking about the news coming from the uh, everything happening with the HBO Max, its future. We're going to be talking about streaming. And the second part will be our love letter to Ed and Steed. And when I'm talking about love letters to Ed and Steed, well, I want to introduce our special guest first because... She came up with this idea for this episode, and me and my first mate, I don't know, or the crew to my ship, because I have one member, uh, is uh, one of our favorite people. She is uh, an ace cinephile of the independent film scene and the, uh, the baddest lady of the seven seas. Kelly McGovern is back on the podcast. Kelly, thank you so much for coming up with this idea for this episode. And we're happy to have you back. Awesome, guys. Happy to be back. And, of course, this most scabrous of scabrous dogs um, that is not including his dog is my co-host, who is back from a week of searching for love and thunder, a.k.a. hanging out with his wife, love, and his son, Thunder, uh, the managing editor of thepopbreak.com, Phoenix's number one fan, Al Manorino. That's uh, Al Manorino Discovery Plus to you. Uh, oh. Happy to happy to be uh, here and back uh, on the podcast that we co-founded as uh, as crewmates a uh, hundred and nineteen episodes ago. Absolutely incredible that 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 sentence was even said. Uh, yeah, I had a not relaxing week actually at all. Uh, I was actually working in the city for a little bit and then. Uh, got to see you, which was nice, not relaxing, fun and funny. Uh, we got to see John Mullaney at uh, the NJ Pack in uh, Newark. Oh, almost almost watched a stabbing happen. That was cool. Yes. And then, Tell him what happened, why that stabbing didn't happen. Oh, yeah, real quick. So uh, my wife and I are driving to the NJ Pack to meet up with you to go see John Mullaney. And uh, we're at a light and we see uh, we, we hear a noise. Uh, people are yelling and such and we see this guy with a knife uh, near a car that has stopped at the light and uh, the guy gets out of his car you know instead of drive away he's like no I must fight this man this crazy man with a knife um, gets out of the car goes to his trunk and I'm like anything can happen at this point I'm like he might have a gun he's gonna have a bat no electric eel, electric eel none of these things takes out of his trunk one of those pop out chairs like um that you would bring to like a, a you know a fifth graders uh community's baseball game or whatever so yes uh, the jason like momoa Frank. meme that he flips the he pops the that hey, that's that it. kind of chair yeah yeah that chair 
without taking it like popping it out like jason moe just uses as a like charges him with it as a weapon and then we drove away so it's a very open-ended story use your imagination who won tell us in the comments uh chair or knife i'm going chair yeah Uh, because you know that's a different brand of crazy very true and then uh, we learned something from our flag means death if you get stabbed in a certain part on your left side you're fine you're fine absolutely fine you're Kelly fine. tested that out on me when we used to work together. It Very true. Totally survived. Totally. Uh, survived. I, I walk with a limp, but I, I, I'm i good. Just for a little bit of uh, end of this rant of my week, but I finished off the week at the National Card Show in Atlantic City, which is the like largest um, trading card, mostly like sports cards, but there was like Pokemon and stuff too. Um, Don't use that word around my in the in the country it's the last year was in chicago i think the year before that was in cleveland and this year it was in atlantic city in our backyard uh got into sports cards during the pandemic back into sports cards um and uh yeah very crazy i went on saturday and sunday saturday was mobbed and sunday was pretty chill uh it was like weird going to like a comic con that wasn't comics um but it was a lot of fun and uh hope it comes back soon, but I'm guessing it won't anytime soon. Well, Al, we're going to have you walk the plank for a minute because we need to get into our show. I love that's you. fair. Usually I'm the one who just has dumbass stories. Uh, Listen, I, your story told me to tell you told me to tell the uh, I mean, almost murder. That was well, the longest I mean, part. We don't have too many fights with, you know, soccer chairs and knives uh, in life. So I figured that's a good true. Thing. But let's uh, moving on to other soccer chairs and knives, because I don't know how to transition anything in my life. Great transition. Uh, Oh, it's the best. Warner Brothers Discovery decided to be the British Navy and decided to just start shooting holes in everything. So for people who don't know, Warner Media not long ago was uh, spun off to Warner uh, to Discovery. When AT&T uh, divested itself from Warner uh, and DirecTV and a whole bunch of other companies. Um, earlier this year, they had made the decision to cancel all original programming on TBS and TNT, including uh, Nassim Pedrad's Chad, uh, about a week or two before it premiered. And this was in an effort to get uh, a lot of, of billions of dollars off the books that was kind of... Uh, spent and not return, you know, no ROI, or they were just trying to clean house and save money. Well, this week, um, we just thought we were talking about a, uh, a pirate show where two pirates fell in love, but no, um, we found out that Warner Brothers Discovery was like, hey, guess what? Uh, there was a Batgirl movie coming out, gone. Uh, that's a $90 million tax write off, and the sequel to Scoob was also shelved. So this sent a lot of people into a panic. There were rumors floating around that 70% of the development team at HBO Max was going to be canned uh, because they were no longer going to invest in that. And there are still a lot of questions out there about this. So today was a, a call where the head of Warner Brothers Discovery talked about the future of the streamer. And we found out that next year, HBO Max and Discovery Plus will be merging. Uh, we don't have a name, although rumors are that they're just going to call it Discovery Plus. Um, guys, um, my first question to you both is, uh, do you know that Discovery Plus is even a thing? 
Okay, real quick. I do know that. I was. I figured you were going to say, no, I don't. I know. So here's the reason why. I know it because oh, uh, you. Oh, I know why. You know why. My mom lived here for a hot minute. She uh, accidentally or accidentally subscribed to Disney Plus because she was watching. Oh, you mean Discovery Plus. Discovery Plus. What I say. Disney. Whatever. I have Disney. She didn't accidentally. I mean, that's our whole podcast. We do. That is all podcast. Um, it was some witches witches show. There's some very popular witches one. Do you do you know do you know what I'm talking about? I Hold mean, on. there's AMC, AMC had the discovery of witches. Oh. So I think it was Discovery that had the discovery, whatever it's called. Regardless. I was paying for it for months and months and months and months and months. I had no idea I was paying for this thing. Um, so yeah, that is the only reason why I know Discovery Plus exists because I was paying for it, but I have I, I couldn't tell you three shows on it. Kelly, do you, do you know Discovery Plus? I'm aware of it, and it's also because my mom refuses to subscribe to it, but essentially watches all of the programming that would be a part of it. I, I've learned that Discovery Plus is that most sentences start with my mom. Yep. Because it is Discovery Channel, which has a lot of reality-based shows. Um, to the rumor that they could, when they merge, could just be Discovery Plus, do you think this is a, a bad move? Because you would then be deep sixing the HBO Max name to for Discovery Plus. And this is just a rumor. We don't know the exact name. It could be Warner Brothers Discovery Plus, which is awful. Uh, but if they just went with Discovery Plus instead of HBO Max or somehow deep six the HBO Max name for something else, do you think guys think this is a that's a good idea? So Kelly, I'm gonna start with you because I think Al's tripped into the ether to think. No, it's not a good idea. It already has a think a certain expectation for those who know about Discovery Plus. I think you have an idea of what that content is, and it certainly doesn't match what HBO Max has been offering. And some of, now some of the Discovery Plus content, like off the Magnolia Network, which is those ship something someone gains. They do home ship and Joanna gains. Oh yeah, I mean. You're right in home remodeling phase, so you would remember that. Um, that it's uh, to me, it's just like HBO holds prestige. It's the standard bearer for great content. Why would you move it to a channel that started out as a science channel and just became a hub for reality TV? Don't think it's a great idea. Al, if you think, what do you think about uh, a, a brand switch from HBO Max to a Discovery Plus or a name all different altogether? Uh, so my my thought process with any of these is that the shorter name, the better. It's like, it's the catchy kind of like always in the back of your mind kind of name that always sticks, right? So I remember when like streaming kind of just started uh, like I would watch on my desktop. Um, it it was Hulu was one of them. And then Comcast bought one that was uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I remember it was like there was two options. Now there's like 2000 options. Right. So it's all about finding a name that people like 
like Disney Plus. I know exactly what I'm getting. I'm getting Disney and other shit. HBO Plus or HBO Max, whatever, is probably the better move because it's like HBO. Oh, and also you get all these other things because like HBO, like you said, is like very prestige, very, you know, people know what HBO is. Discovery, I still really don't know what it is. So I don't think that's the right move. Even though Discovery is a good word, it's not like, I don't think it's going to like, I'm not going to go to Discovery Plus or Discovery whatever to go watch Game of Thrones. I just feel like that's such a weird concept for me. Like I, I got, my brain can't process that. And, and it's representing a brand. So it's really the Warner, it's Warner streaming. Yeah. And so HBO is not, is not just, it's not just, it's not just TV. It's HBO. I know. That's right. But it's, it's everything. It encompasses all of Warner. So I think the HBO brand will do that. And I also think you have to get rid of, you have to get away from plus because everyone's plus. Yeah. But then what, what, they did that HBO Max. That's what right? I mean. That's why you should stay with it because there's no yeah. You get away from I, plus. I think that's. I I agree. I don't think they should do a, a huge. They're going to. That's the problem. Is like, it sounds like with everything that has happened that we'll talk about, is there this guy is like, gonna slash some shit. We're gonna restart some stuff. We're gonna redo this. We're gonna do this in a better way, different way. That's all kind of it's it's he's really starting from kind of square one with whatever properties they want to keep or you know reboot or whatever including this including the actual platform itself i know one that just recently changed was uh was it imdb tv oh my god imdb tv which people don't know is is a uh ad supported wait hold uh, on i have the name no, no, a, no, I trust me. I know what it is. It's ad supported TV fast platform. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a fast platform, and it's called, now called Freevee. Yeah, which is wow. Reminds me of Newvee, uh, which starts before all the movies with Maria Menounos. Uh, yeah, Freevee Queen. Whereas uh, Judge Judy is now, and there's there is some original content on that. I think Bosch went there as well. Yeah. It's like Pluto TV, which they yeah. said that you know just from and reading. All the stuff that's happening right now is they want to do potentially three models, and that's a TV fast platform like what we're just discussing, a Pluto TV, which is my favorite. I love Pluto TV, um, or Freebie, whatever you want to call it, then a or Tubi, and then an ad supported paid tier, and then an ad free paid tier. Yeah. So Peacock's doing two of those things, I believe, or all three at the same point. Yeah. Yeah. So Peacock is a good example. If you want to know what, what it looks like to have the different levels, that's Peacock. Yeah. So that's what, that's what they're going for. And some of the fears that came out, and I didn't ask you guys this question because I just remembered it was they moved away. Some of the HBO or max original films, one of them being American pickle starring uh, Seth Rogen. Um, And so there is a lot of fear out there. People are like, you need to start investing in physical media in DVDs again, because once these streamers decide not to do stuff like cancel it, it'll be in the ether. You'll never see it again. Do you guys feel that given the news of this and given the news of Netflix starting to start getting rid of stuff that maybe isn't, you know, doing good numbers and that and HBO max, maybe getting rid of movies and shows that, don't really get a lot of streams that they don't want to host on their on their platform anymore, uh, or at least for the time being, that you need to invest in physical media. Kelly, I'm going to ask you first, because the reason I want to ask you first is because you celebrate film. You go to the movies. You are a huge cinephile. 
you go to the movies, have been to the movies more times this year than I have been uh, even pre-pandemic and in five years, um, which is great. Do you believe that, are you a big physical media fan or do you feel like just with how streaming is changing that maybe it's time to start investing in that again? Um, I have actually been reinvesting like over even the last few years, uh, you know, beefing up my collection and stuff like that, trying to fill in like blank spots. Um, yeah, a great service to talk about in that sense is the Criterion Collection. They celebrate film old and new. And, um, you know, there's also something to be said about uh, the appreciation that the physical media has for the content that it's providing you. You not only get the feature film, you get the extras, you get the director's commentary and, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's it's certainly worth investing in and like, uh, you know, there are definitely titles that you can't even like rent on streamers. Like you can't go on Amazon Prime to find. You got to have the physical copy. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of lost unless you can pirate it. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of physical media. I, I think it's a way to go, but I'm also not without being able to recognize the privilege that not pe- people don't have the money or the space all the time to really bulk up in that capacity. So, um, you know, yeah, physical media is great, but it also has its limitations as well. Al, just like news like this, like I know you're a physical media collector in regards to comic books, for example. Yeah. Are you a physical media owner of film and television series? Like does and does and or does news like this? You're like, ooh, maybe it's time for me to start stocking back up on Blu-rays and DVDs. It's odd because I have a like a pretty huge Blu-ray collection, Same. and as soon as streaming really started to like kick in, I I. I can tell you, I probably buy one Blu-ray a year, if that. And like, there is almost no reason to get them anymore in that instance. But now with, you know, with them, you know, removing titles or moving titles, whatever, putting stuff behind the vault or paid, you know, the paywall or whatever, you know, I don't know if there's anything out there that can't be found somewhere else, you know? So if I'm dying to watch a movie or a TV show, I could probably find it in another capacity somewhere else, whether that's, you know, worst case scenario, buying it from Apple. Cause I still think they do that. Right. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I like physical media like comics or records. Cause there's like almost like a dual purpose almost, or, or even three purposes to them um, with movies though. There's no, like, I don't know. I don't display them. I don't collect to like sell them later. So it's like, that was a very easy thing for me to kind of drop. Cause I know if I really want to watch something, it's probably already streaming. Like I have these two behind me. I have two box sets of like two of my favorite shows ever, both of which are available to stream right now. I can't tell you the last time I've opened one of those box sets, but I'm watching one of the shows as we speak. So it's like, I really don't care. So that's scrubs. You're rewatching. I uh, no Seinfeld for like the millionth time. But so yeah, scrubs scrubs is next eventually. For me, when it comes to books and comics, which I just started getting back into graphic novels, which I just started getting back into, um, I know, Al, you had mentioned some apps and stuff like that, but there are certain things like I want to phys- I like physically reading a book yeah, or a comic uh, with music. I kind of, you know, I was always a mixed guy because I have like a weird musical upbringing. So like I've always been like into mixes and stuff like that. So for me, Spotify is perfect because I get to just put in a 
complete menagerie of music that I've that makes no sense just to me and where I probably couldn't pick them all up out of CDs and records and stuff. Although I will probably support someone who is a local who's selling, even if I don't listen to it, I like to support them. Um, when it came to movies, I have, I have two crates of DVDs downstairs in my basement. And I'm just like, do I really need, to, if I ever really wanted to watch them again, I pretty much own all my favorite movies. I can go back down there and get it. But again, there's also YouTube where you can rent them. You could buy or Amazon. There's always a place that you're going to be able, if you ever type in a movie in Google right now, and there's about five to six streaming sites, you can get them off of Google play voodoo. That's a thing everywhere is like voodoo. And I'm like, I don't know anyone who watches that, but it's there. <laughs> so you can get it. But I, Kelly, I do. I also feel like with the criterion stuff that you brought up, those were always like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll sound like an idiot when I say this. You always feel a little smart when you get a Criterion collection. When I would get a Wes Anderson Criterion collection, I'm like, I'm a smart guy. I got a Criterion collection because they're also really cool, especially Wes Anderson ones. Like there's always stuff you could pull out, like a Royal Tenenbaums one has a great like artwork in it and stuff. But yeah, there is sort of a like, a, like if there's like, if you're going, if you're going to buy a DVD, get a Criterion collection. Cause that's just, yeah. that's just like the cream of the crop stuff. That's like eating a really good steak. You're like, I'm, tr I'm like, I'm going to put up a button up shirt and I'm, I'm going to wear that to eat this steak. That's how fancy I'm feeling today. And that's how I'd feel if I watch a Criterion collection movie. I'm like, I'm going to put buttons on. I'm going to put a button up shirt on like pants, like maybe even shoes. I like it. That's how fancy I feel right now. Um, so they didn't did this weird thing at the press, at this press conference uh, where they've kind of gendered HBO max and discovery plus in the stupidest way. Like if you wanted to let, people like you and just like kind of calm everyone down from like canceling like these movies and like, you know, literally, you know, this, the Batgirl movie, like the one director, the directors found out on the way to the one director's like wedding and take BT dubs, your movie's done. Happy wedding. Um, so, and people are like pissed, but now it's just like, they're, they're looking at HBO max as male skewing and they want to focus on scripted content uh, a lean-in philosophy, uh, appointment viewing, and home of fandoms. While Discovery Plus is female skewing, unscripted, a lean-back approach, comfort viewing, and the home of genredoms. Al, I mean, as someone who's like been out there in the wild recently, you've had a couple interesting days um, of, you know, with your mind and stuff like that. What is a genre dumb? Because I want to know what your answer is. I mean, they're mixing up two things. They're trying to make it cool, but it's it's like you tell like someone my dad's age who he's dead, uh, made up, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fandoms of a particular genre or the genres i don't know what the fuck they're trying to no, go no, no. i want you to keep going okay okay but like you know they have their game of thrones their west worlds all that those have all individual like fandoms and they're all rooted in genre specific things so it's genre dumb <laughs> they're dumb kelly i want you to tell me why the men who came up with this because this was dudes who came up with this idea why are these men so fucking stupid 
good they just need to stop it <laughs> stop gendering content and assigning genders to content we have been freaking raging against this since forever <laughs> and we're talking about a show called our flag means death which essentially celebrates the fact that gender is a spectrum and gender it's not a two-way oh my god <laughs> yeah I'm it's so crazy. mad right now I can't even talk well it's crazy too because like if you go on my twitter feed like if you saw my twitter feed or saw who I interacted with on a daily basis the people who are obsessed with the stuff that I'm obsessed with it's like mostly women <laughs> Like it's it's crazy that like they're like oh well discovery is for women HBO is for men right yeah right bro Come hey, on. it's what the like fuck are we doing it's like it just comes from this place of like I'm going to just take the common sense of it of like just being a moral human being out of it for a second you are limiting money why why wouldn't you want as many as many people as humanly possible to watch your product. Like there are how many countless women or in or people of any gender, let's just say it, who are into stuff that would, you would put in a fandom. How many people loved peacemaker? That's a fandom show. That show is incredible. Everyone loves the peacemaker. How many people did the fucking dance? It wasn't just dudes, you know? Um, and and on the other end, if it's going to be reality, if Discovery Plus is going to be reality-based, there's men and non-binary people who are going to watch reality-based stuff because, spoilers, who doesn't like, like cooking shows or like there's home renovation like or whatever? Or is lava? Floor is well, that's on Netflix. I know, but still, but I mean, still, I mean, drag, a drag show about kids like doing drag or learn, like you know, learning how to. I don't know, it's like you're pre the preteens that are growing up, and it's like, you know, I want to be a drag queen, mom and dad. Like, great, you, I, if, if, if I had a son who said that, I'd be like, okay, well, we're gonna yeah. have to learn how to do some costuming because. I don't know, you know, so we better watch this show and I'll help you out. It's just like, you gotta, it's just like, how dumb can you be? It's just incredibly reductive. You're taking so many steps back. This is not the way to talk about media anymore at all. That should have oh. never, ever made it through any, it should, it just, people should have known. It should not have passed. No. It's so mad. <laughs> it's just like, I'm just like, do I have to now identify as an HBO Max? I mean, it's so <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> two genders, HBO Max and Discovery Plus. But the other problem thing I think is stupid about this is um, they're merging the streamers. It's going to be one thing. Unless they're different hubs within the same streamer, which now leads me to believe it's just going to be called something like, you know, like Potato or something like that. Welcome to Potato Plus. And it's just like, here's the HBO Max hub. Here's the Discovery Plus hub. I couldn't think of a better fucking word, dude. I'm Irish and I think of potatoes. Um, they, should call it dub they should call it WB Plus. 
Like that rolls oh. off the tongue. It's Warner Brothers. WB plus. Like that's such a like easy man. Pick. But then you got to bring back the WB like dance. And the WB exactly. Call every show Dubas and like let's fucking go. Like that I would you you bring You're welcome you, Warner you, Brothers. <laughs> we know someone who works there. They should give you a job. You get a job. Should. Um, should. So we all think like all think this is really dumb right yeah like i get what they're saying like you want to make content that's geared towards different people that's cool but don't make it gendered it's fucking stupid so way to go it's not even that it's the way that they did it like they could have said like 30 percent of our audience is women and we're trying to make that different like the way that they did it was just stupid it's just like no girls like this Guys like this, boys and like then this. deal with it, bro. Yeah, that's so stupid. I like how when they brought up pro wrestling and they put it towards the men thing, and they had a picture of the AEW women's champion. I'm just like, All right, what are you doing? What are you doing? Ah, these guys are awful. So, because that was a dumb idea, do you guys have a fear? That shows that we saw this year there were HBO Max originals, like the show we're going to be talking about shortly, shows like Peacemaker, shows like that god-awful Sex in the City sequel series that I saw an episode of and I wanted to light myself on fire. Uh, but there's a ton of uh, Harley Quinn, The Flight Attendant, lots of shows on HBO Max that are originals. Do you guys fear that this new model will eradicate shows like that? They'll be cut just to save money. No. Explain. Oh, you want me to elaborate? I, I mean, yeah. It's because fine. because of genre dub. No, it's it, it's. I mean, yeah. Well, no, but it's survival of the fittest. So it's like if if the show is super popular or has a crazy rabid fan base, then it has a good chance of staying alive, right? Like they are never, they're not going to get rid of like flagship stuff. Like I think flight attendant, um, you know hacks anything that's gotten like award recognition that's gonna only you know boost the actual uh platform to be like you know recognized as a player in the space i think they're pretty safe something like our flags mean death what we're going to talk about is something that probably would not have been saved if the audience didn't discover it right so we you know we've seen it countless times like our show is like pretty cool and like we like it and we hope it gets renewed and it doesn't because they didn't get the impact that it you know they wanted or an unexpected impact that made it uh you know went beyond their expectations it's like going back to netflix like i don't think netflix knew umbrella academy would be as big as it was and that it lasted four seasons i thought they thought cowboy bebop would have been the sure for fire hit and then they axe that after a year so i see the no. same thing happening here is if it doesn't you know pick up after that first season if it doesn't have awards buzz any of these things is gone i mean look at lovecraft lovecraft country right great show got a lot of hype critically acclaimed didn't get the audience stanky boot so it's going to be the same shit. I don't think anything's really changing. I don't think any of our shows are in danger outside of like maybe our flags mean death season three because we're already getting a season two. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to change. The reason I had brought that up is because Batgirl, I mean, DC does have a following. You just dropped $100 million on it. And Scoob was a hit. 
and you're only putting out, it would only cost $40 million. You telling me you couldn't release that holiday sequel and it wouldn't make back $40 million. I think that's, that's a little short-sighted. So, so Batgirl, I understand. And Kelly, you could definitely jump in. I'm just, these are things off the top of my head. Batgirl, I understand now that I've been reading into it, they did not believe in the film, meaning the amount of money that they'd have to put into it to make it like a theatrical release to make money was more of a cost than actually finishing and releasing it. That's what I'm starting to see just from all of this, because like they know this looks bad. That means this movie was not good. As is, they would have had to pump more money into it to make it like worthy of the investment, right? The return on investment, the ROI, as you mentioned. Scoob's weird because uh, according to co-writer Paul Dini, who's a famous uh, you know, co-creator of Harley Quinn, the reason we have the Batman animated series, comic book writer, video game writer, all that stuff. He co-wrote the new Scoob movie. He said it's like 95% finished. Like that's weird. That's weird to me. I thought Batgirl was weird. I now understand that's not that weird. This one's weird. This is like, just put it out. What are you doing? Like, that's money. Yeah. Kids' movies make money. As a, yeah, we and, know that. We we fucking know. Yes. Uh, but Kelly, Kelly, do you fear do you fear for shows like this? Or, or and, and I'm gonna complicate it just a little bit for you, just because Al answered a lot. Do you fear that the risk factor of doing really creative, like we're used to with HBO, creative stuff? Do you fear that will be limited because they're like, we want surefire things, which could lean into, you know, their reality TV show network that they're going to lean into the layups and the easy stuff and the general stuff. While the weird stuff, the interesting stuff, the cool stuff that the three of us are going to talk about, because this show is not mainstream at all. Like, do you fear that's going to go away? Uh, I am afraid of that because every once in a while you see quote unquote weird stuff catch on, become popular. And um, that's absolutely fantastic. But there's still so much out there, especially for, you know, the queer community and like queer television and stuff that like is so niche and so small, but really has such an amazing following and like a beautiful fan base it may not be the biggest fan base but it's you know it does something um so i know money matters but from a completely like artistic perspective like art matters yeah what was done to like batgirl and like just the entire crew that worked on that is incredibly disrespectful it's so disrespectful do on you know to any artist and like just these folks working on something um, I'm afraid with these changes that you are now s- making fandoms compete. You are stacking numbers that should not be compared and you're comparing them. You're taking the, you know, plethora of people that love reality TV and that's absolutely fine. And that can exist in its own space. And you're now stacking it against, you know, artistic niche, queer content. And you're going to say, oh, well, these two things don't line up. Guess what's going to go? What's getting less numbers? That's terrifying to me. Uh, real quick, Bill, because uh, oh, I think only Kelly's going to understand this reference. You can earmuffs over there, Bill. Uh, Kelly, you watch Barry? Yes. Uh, so so it's basically Sally's show. Yep. 
Right. I actually it's, have that written in my notes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good. We're on the same page. So, yeah. but that was yeah, kind of like, totally, reminds me of like Hannibal when that was on NBC and maybe not the apples to apples comparison, but like what it was a, it was a violent artistic queer show, which you would find out much later. Well, actually, if you watch the show, you got it right away yeah, from the beginning. Yeah. Like from the jump, never mind. The third season just really was just like, guys, we're just going to say it very loudly. But the finale of that show was on Cozy, which is an NBC subsidiary channel, during the Olympics in the middle of the summer. So it was like they didn't care. So it was like what? But they sure as shit are going to put this, you know, former Saturday Night Live cast members sitcom is going to they're going to give that as much as they can to run that. You know what I mean? So it's like the fringe stuff, the weird stuff, the cool stuff like that. To me, I'm as well. And I look at that as the other streamers like Netflix is doing the same thing. They're like, we're not going to do vanity projects like the Irishman. And will they invest in weird new stuff? That's that's my big thing. But then again, look at what made Netflix. Netflix was the weird new stuff. Stranger Things was weird and new. Squid Game, weird and new. So much things, so many things that catch fire are weird and new. So, and I hate the competing thing, like you said, like, because they'll be like, well, we did this DC stuff, but this one did this thing, this pirate thing didn't do well. And you're just like, well, two different audiences, man. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, oh, wrestling isn't as big as the NBA. No shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you, really, we know that. Um, but yeah, that's my fear. Kelly, I'm in line with you on that. I don't know if they're going to cancel some of the shows we're seeing now, but the future of what they're going to green light, I think is going to be really, it's going to be real interesting. What's yeah. Going to and also, I mean, I don't know how much more we're getting into this before our flags being death, but like, you know, they said their plan for DC is we're going to make a 10 year plan and we're going to get a lot of creative people around. It's like, hasn't that dude, been their plan for 20 years, dude, that's not, that's not a plan. That's not a plan. Your plan. That should have been like the, the fucking prompt. Now you need a plan. Like you need the, you don't need a Kevin Feige. You won't find one. You need a, 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 a good solid mix of creators who will make something great. It needs to be led by someone. Sure. Yeah. Gotta find that someone at this point, someone should have said like, Hey, I can do it. Who's like not, who's not Jeff Johns and who's not Jim Lee. Like you don't need a comic book uh, writer with with pedigree and you don't need a john favreau who's a great director or storyteller you need a fucking producer who knows how to produce and make good shit and that's what kevin feige is you have not seen kevin feige say like i need to go direct my own marvel movie he doesn't want to he's directing a million things at the same time because he's producing them all that's what they need and guess what they've needed that for fucking years and they still haven't done it so maybe, just maybe, the person that's out there, the right person, doesn't want to work for them because they sound like a nightmare. Christopher Nolan? Yeah, I know. No, he's the fucking director. We don't need him. He's you don't need him. His you brother. Need him. His brother. Jonathan? Jonathan's a writer. He's not a producer. Well, he produces Westworld. He produces stuff that Christopher does. So Yeah, okay. Fair, I mean, but, but I mean, so he's done. I mean, there's stuff like you're right. I, I also think like maybe don't have a universe, maybe just have creators. Like we're kind of seeing like what Marvel did was like, 
Okay, Taika Waititi, going to tie into our next thing. Create your Thor. And we'll tie it in somehow. Maybe you don't need to tie it in. Maybe just like, hey, you, director, like we're seeing with Harley Quinn, which has such a high rating. People love it. Can't stop talking about it. It's its own thing. Just make your own thing. And then if you want to bring them together, have someone make their own thing. You know, it does every, not everything has to be a universe. By the way, one of the properties for Discovery Plus is the 90 Day Fiance universe. Yeah. That just is disgusting. Uh, but you know what's not disgusting, guys? The show we're going to talk about next, you scabrous dogs, because that's my that's also the subtitle of this podcast, scabrous dogs. And um, our flag means death, which, of course, was released in the spring of 2022 on HBO Max. If you missed the um, the hype for this, when HBO Max did its sizzle reel for 2022, it was just like, here's the logo. And we just heard Taika Waititi pirate series. That's all we knew until about a week or two before the show came out. We got a trailer. So Kelly, you, you were the one who's like, guys, we need to do an episode on this months ago. Talk about your uh, like hype and expectations going into the show. What drew you to this show? Um, well, what drew me to this show was I, I probably got in after the First, um, I think two episodes aired and I follow just a lot of writers all over Twitter. Um, you know, a lot of like queer writers and everybody started posting about this beautiful show and how its characters were like a community and each one of them had just a fully realized identity and personality that didn't just rely on one component nobody really felt like a side character and that's how everybody was talking about this show and it's also about pirates so you know you get like uh something so wholesome and then have it be like a period show about pirates it's like all right i'm in um and it was absolutely worth it like i from the very first episode you just, you get hooked, you latch on, you fall in love with this show, its characters, and every single episode is just an absolute joy to watch. This is a show that I will put on on my worst days, and it will make me feel so much better. I will put it on in the background as I'm working on whatever. It, it, like, it is like a part of me now. <laughs> well, on this ship, we're glad you shared your feelings. So... Al, uh, what drew you to this show? Because uh, you you started watching this right around the same time as Kelly and finished it. I just finished it the other day because I'm slow as shit with everything um, as I'm doing a Marvel podcast three years after it finished. Um, what drew you to this show? Yeah, I mean, I think simply put, if it was Taika doing another television show, like I'm obsessed with what we do in the shadows. Another, sh again, another show that I have not finished. Uh, I'm sorry. Started. I haven't started, I haven't started the new season, but uh, I'm just very behind. Um, very busy, very busy, man. So uh, yeah, anything Taika does right is kind of gold at the moment. And I'm in just from that. And then saw the trailer. I'm like, wait, Reese Darby's in this. Fuck. Yeah. Love that guy. He's so underrated. It's insane. Uh, I, I think I think it was on a podcast we were talking about like how great he was in Yes Man. He's so funny in Yes Man. Uh, me and my wife 
again, quote him to this day. So yeah, uh, it was pretty simple, like Taika Reese. And then what Kelly said, like, you know, it, it's also such, such an unexpected kind of evolution throughout the show where it, you know, becomes this like gay romance spoilers and it's incredible. And Truly, truly unexpected because you. I think the show could have been very just slapsticky, restarby, kind of unleashed, and been one thing for Taika to be Taika. I don't know why we're like never see it cut so much heart into his stuff. It's crazy and it works so well. Um, so yeah, I just love it. It's such a fun show. Well, first, I, I, you know, I, as I am late to everything, I had just seen Thor Ragnarok for the first time on New Year's Eve. And then, you know, a couple months later, I saw the trailer for this. So I was, you know, newly baptized into the, uh, the temple of Taika. So I was like, oh, I said, all right, cool. I like pirates. I like he's funny. And then I then uh, I'm going to mention something a little different than what you guys said. I just started looking at the cast and from the trailer, I was like, well, holy shit, that's you and Bremer Bremner from. <laughs> From train spotting, uh, Samson Ko, who uh, a lot of people uh, was in that Nick Frost Simon Pegg horror series, uh, True Seekers, and all Nick Frost could talk about was how awesome he was, and he was great in that show, which I, another show I haven't finished, but it was a great show. Um, then it was uh, Christian Nyren from Game of Thrones, who was Hodor, who I've interviewed, who was extremely funny when I interviewed him. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done. So I'm like, okay, Nat Faxon, who's been in a million things, is like Oscar nominated or for The Descendants, and I believe winner, winner for The Descendants. Did he also do Spotlight as well? Uh, maybe I know he was. He also the follow up to to. Um... The one you just mentioned was uh, The Way, Way Back, which is also a very good movie. I love that movie. Very underrated. Um, and then they brought in Rory Kinnear as like the villain of the series sometimes. And if you don't know him, he's like M sidekick in the Daniel Craig Bonds. He was also in um, Penny Dreadful. He was uh, Frankenstein's monster. And he's awesome. And But he's always really serious. And I'm like, oh, shit, he'll be in a comedy. So that'll be cool. And then when I watched the first episode, I'm like, oh, so this is like every British show I've ever grew up on because I grew up on a lot of British comedy. And like that's this is the same thing, but it's so different. It has so much more soul to it than just like here's just wanky humor where we just like put each other down and just say funny things and have odd colloquialisms. It was it had heart to it and i was like oh i think i could really fall in love with all these characters and speaking of characters i wanted before we get into our boys here like the the just like the most wonderful boys who to you guys were we're going to talk about first your favorite cameo there was a lot of famous names and faces in this series some of them included uh leslie jones fred armison nick crawl christian shawl Will Arnett, uh, Kristen, oh crap, I want to forget her name, from Third Rock from Sun, uh, Kristen Johnson, Tim Heidecker, a um, whole bunch of people. And uh, I also just want to give a shout out to um, the actress who played his wife, uh, Steve's wife, who is the voice of Aunt Frisky on Bluey, which is coming out real soon, and I cannot wait. Um, so guys, who is your favorite famous face that ended up in this show. Al, I'm going to start with you. 
And I feel like you, if you don't pick one person, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. Uh, I know who you want me to pick, but yeah. I, I, I was going to say, I really did love the episode with uh, Kristen Schaal and Nick Kroll. Cause that's like such a, like s- not even specific, like that's such a Nick Kroll character for him <laughs> to play. Like he does, like if you ever watch Kroll show, like that is so him um, or whenever that's he's such in, like, a, that's such a deep cut. That show is so old at this point. I know it's so weird. It's a very, Kelly, do you show. remember Nick Kroll had a show on Comedy Central? It lasted a few remember. seasons. Oh, okay. Because you, yeah. you're looking up, it's like Kelly might die. He had a lot of good people in that show too. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I liked that episode and I'm trying, you know, there was a ton. I wouldn't even say like Leslie Jones was a, cameo she was like she was a famous face in the show famous face she had a main role in the show uh i feel like cameo is like a one-off like appearance you know that's why i changed it mid-sentence to famous face famous face yeah um i I guess i'll go with that you did you said two different names so which one was it both of them they were in the episode together all right and you kelly who is your famous famous face in the series it's really, really hard to pick. I know. Um, right off the bat, Fred Armisen, because he's just so funny all the time. I love Fred Armisen. <laughs> I mean, there are others. I still, I thought if, as a runner up, um, Kristen Johnson, uh, bleh, Kristen Johnson was um, hilarious <laughs> as the widow. She was so funny. The one eyed widow. Yeah. Yeah. Just like coming up with like different like ways to like murder and like I don't know. She's just like really great. Um she was that way in uh what was it? Um Bride Wars. She was like my favorite part of Bride Wars because she was just like, you know, coming out like just saying all these like ridiculous things. So she's she's a character. Fred Armisen essentially just played Fred Armisen. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It, it, because it was like it also I cannot think of Fred Armisen now without that John Mulaney bit. The John Mulaney joke. Do a character. He didn't even do a bit. Uh, because there's Fred Armisen and then there's like the Fred Armisen from New Girl who like was the erotic writer who kept dropping wine glasses everywhere, um, which is just an episode I can revisit too many times. Uh, I'm gonna go with Will Arnett because he. I was gonna say Will Arnett was. He great wasn't too. at. He was funny because Will Arnett is never not funny yeah but the calico jack character was such a pivotal small character in this show because it really was the test and also was like kind of the catalyst for steed and ed's relationship because there's still like this thing of like he definitely was blackbeard's ex but it was still like and brought out all his bad traits and Steed really was jealous of him. And then Blackbeard realizes, no, Steed is the one I, the, the person I need to, to be with. And without that character, I don't think, and Will Arnett just knowing how to act like such an asshole, but also kind of lovable until he turns out to be the bad guy. Um, I just love that he, uh, he was, the, you, you needed that character so much to really just make that relationship between Steve and Ed work. And that was my, that's why I loved him in that role because he's so charismatic in that part. And he's so the opposite of Steed and he's so the opposite of Reese Darby as a performer. Reese Darby has this very just like kind of nice genial voice. And Will Arnett is just like, he's sandpaper in the best possible way. He's very bombastic 
and rough vocally. So it just worked in every way for me. So now let's transition to our favorite side character. Um, to me, with this is like, it's like, who's your favorite kid? You know, and it's such a hard choice because all of them are so amazing in their own way. Um, but I have to go with, oh, it's so hard, but I'm going to go with Nat Faxon as the Swede because there's the lot, the, the episode where he gets scurvy and he keeps pulling his fingernails and teeth. He's like, no one else is losing their nails. No one's losing their teeth. And Pretty good. It just would, Maybe I, your best impression yet. Because his impression is not very good either. Yeah, it's, exactly. I know. Thanks for making me feel worse. Uh, it's so it's just it just he would pull these random lines and he just has this face where he just looks like a seagull. Or he's just like his eyes just like bug out and he just was kind of darting around and or just like hey, this is fine. Um, yeah, they that, that he's my favorite because he's just so ridiculous. And then they try to eat him at the end. And um, I do want to give a shout out to the uh, my second favorite couple on the show was um, Black Pete and Lucius, um, because I thought they were just going to play that as a joke at first. And then it turns out they really care for each other. And I was like, wow, that is that is really not what I was expecting. I just thought that was going to be. We'll play it for a crude joke and that's it. And then they're like, nope, we're going to make this like a real thing. And that's what also kind of guts me about Ed's turn at the end that he just throws Lucius overboard. And I'm just like, no, he can't be dead. <laughs> Him and Black Pete have to go get married. <laughs> they're great. <laughs> um, so that's my like runner up for that. So Kelly, who is your favorite uh, supporting character? I pick two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, yeah, well, I only got like three more questions. So definitely. I love Lucius because so his, just his personality and his lines and the way he delivers them are just fantastic. The whole, I don't think I'm cute. I just carry myself that way. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good line. The greatest line I've ever heard. I um, but my other favorite would be uh, Jim Jimenez. Um, I think Vico Ortiz is the most attractive human being <laughs> I have ever seen. And Jim's knife skills are absolutely amazing. And I just love them so much. I think one of my favorite things with Lucius is when he is very afraid of everything until he like they're on the island. Um searching for like um i guess searching for treasure and he just like basically sl verbally slaps blackbeard around and just like he really likes you and he basically tells him how much he likes him and he, again another catalyst for their relationship and how he's just he gets so brave and says it and then is shit scared two seconds later ed is i i think is also the most ridiculous character because they just put the really shitty nose and beard. And you're like, I kept looking at him like, that's a woman, right? And it's like, that's, that's, that's a female. <laughs> and what they did, I'm like, all right, good. They weren't trying something here. It was that bad. But Jim is amazing. I I do think the one thing that I, I, I was disappointed with Jim, and Al, you can jump in, is I felt like the, the whole storyline of her killing those seven guys, like, 
they kind of had that. And then she was with Leslie Jones and then she ends back up on the ship. And I'm just like, I wanted, I felt like that storyline had a gap that I missed. And then maybe because my viewings were so far apart, but I, I wanted more with Jim in that story, because I think it's like, it's a, it's a really good story. What'd you think, Kelly, about her arc? Did you feel like there was like a gap when she meets Leslie Jones or no? I, I didn't feel that there was a gap, but then again, I feel like I consistently viewed them like in the time frame, and then after repeat viewings, it just kind of made okay. sense. It was a lot of dialogue building. They did have um, the one flashback episode, which was the same episode we were talking about with the treasure hunt. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the most part, I like. I would say that seemed pretty clear to me. Okay, I, I would probably because it's too far apart for me. Uh, Al, who's your favorite side characters in this uh, series? So, so who's Jim's uh, somewhat love interest? Is it? Is it? Is it? How do you say? Is it Oluwende? Oluwende. So, I, I want to say Oluwende, uh, okay. Frenchie, and basically anyone who was involved with the Nigerian prince, because <laughs> that was the fucking maybe the best. It was just those two. It was just those. Okay. Two. Yeah, honestly, that was such a good joke and good. Like, again, it, it's for the episode. It's not part of the main plot. It's just like this little side adventure they're having. And it's some of the most entertaining shit because it's so like that. They inv- basically invented the Nigerian prince scheme like hundreds of years earlier is incredible. So I love that. I thought, I'm listen. I could pick any of them. They, the The supporting cast is so much fun to watch um, with, you know, and it's hard because you're surrounded by Tega Watiti and Reese Darby and all of these incredible guest stars. And a lot of these people we don't know or have not seen have this much of a role in before. So honestly, they're all pretty great. Yeah, we have not heard Christian Nyren actually say dialogue outside of Hodor. True. Ever. Um, I'll see Hodor. something else. Hodor. Um, let's get to our boys, Steed and Ed. Uh, Kelly, I'm going to ask you this question is there is so much fan art and so much online love, like undying love for Steed and Ed. What is it about this relationship that just may has just, people are just gravitating towards um, I think months after the show, by the way, this is months still that people are talking about this. Like this show ended what in May and or April or May. And it's like, we're in August and people are still going on about this. And people were like losing their shit about this show, potentially getting canceled by H by Warner brothers, discovery pirate ships. Like, what is it about <laughs> these guys that is just Warner like, brothers discovery pirate ships is pretty great. I'm not like even anymore. That's great. Uh, no, it was good. Um, to have one good joke. I really think that it is like both of just their their faces, like their physical appearance um, and their personalities. Like both of them are very physical actors. I was talking with a friend about how Taika is one of the most like purposefully expressive. Like he has such expressive eyes in everything that he's in. Um, he it's like he uses his like facial like muscles in a way that like he's like tapped into something that you just um 
I don't feel like I see every day. Um, so he is just embodies some type of like a genuine feeling. And um, Reese Darby is inherently like a physical comedian. Um, he is just very uh, present in like everything that he does. And he also is incredibly sweet and incredibly, um, you could feel like he grew up he tells the story. He grew up like feeling very uncomfortable, just kind of like in himself. But now that he's older, he felt like, you know what, I can just like put this out there and maybe it'll be like received well. And that's actually something that he said in one of the interviews um, about this show is like, he just felt like, what if I just like put my weirdness out there and people caught on and he especially felt that from like the LGBT community. So I really think that it is the physical expression of love and just heart and soul that these two men put into their characters and into this show. And the fact that it was not a farce and it was not baiting. It was authentically like these men fell in love and we got to witness it. And it was like a beautiful thing. And I think that that has been really taken very seriously by like everyone in the community that loves this show. And, you know, anyone with like an ounce of talent is gonna sing their praises to, you know, the social media overlords. Al, what is it about our favorite lads that you, that, that you love that, that you, you know, we just talked about online and I think Kelly, I don't think either of us could top what Kelly just said. So uh, uh, pivoting to, what is it about them that you love? I, I mean, outside of loving both of them as actors and creators and comedians, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's not heartwarming, but it's just nice to see, you know, a, a, a non straight romance in such, such a high profiled thing that is getting so much, attention obviously because of how good the show is and because it's you know a gay relationship you know it's not being treated as a scandal it's not being treated as humorous it's being treated with you know honesty and heart and i just i love it because it's such a it should should, what uh, you know all shows should be (laughs) I can't express it any other way. It's just like, it's so great to see it and they are doing it so well. And there's no, it just seems like they're in love, right? These two obviously great friends um, are able to kind of put that friendship energy into this romance. And you can see it. You can see that these are, you know, they're actors, but they're doing, there's something else behind it that makes it feel so genuine. And I think that's why people are so captivated with them. Also, my favorite thing, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before too, is um, Taika has said in interviews that his, his voice for Korg is an impression of Reese Darby. And that's the best thing ever. I honestly, come on. That's amazing. It is. For me, it's something I talked about with, and it, it's inherent. In the Taika White, no, Taika didn't really, I don't think he directed any of this. He was a producer on it. He didn't write it. This was written by somebody else. And 
I just realized, you know, uh, we, you know, Blackbeard's a real dude. I didn't realize Steve Bonnet was a real person. He is. And so what I liked about this was that this was uh, what Taika does, especially you see in Ragnarok and you see in Love and Thunder, because uh, those are the only two shows of his movies of his I've seen, is everything's allowed to be silly, but the silliness is the foregrounding for the serious and that's what makes it allowed to be emotional and honest and genuine. And I think the scene that why the relationship works for me is not a scene between Steed and Ed. It's not the kiss between them that makes it, that sells it for me of the honesty and the respectfulness of it. It's the scene where Ed, just because I watched the episode last night, uh, is a scene where Ed is talking to his wife and she has found Doug, I want to say is his name. Uh, Tim Heidecker, they've fallen in love because she thought he was dead or just wanted to pretend he was dead. And she's like, well, I hope you find that one day. And he's like, yes, I have. And she's like, what's her name? And she's, he says, his name is Ed. And she looks at him, not aghast, but happy for him. Yeah. Because these two were never meant to be together. They were forced to be together. And she's happy he's allowed to finally be himself because he's not really a gentleman. He's not really a pirate. He's just Steed and he's kind of lost. And then he found himself as a cross between all these things. And he's finally found happiness. And that's what sold it for me. It was like, that was a respectful moment. There was no like, Oh my God, you're in love with a man. Blah, blah. There was none of that. It was like, she understood it, accepted it and was happy for him. And that to me is what it was. It was the respectfulness of it. And then at the end, they work together so she can have her life and he can have, well, what he thinks he could have his. But I also like the fact that they played with oh, the the breakup here between the two after they've professed their love for each other. That he, ha- he you know, he can't, he doesn't feel right about it. There's, you know, Steve, that he has to go back to his family because he feels like he's, he's afraid. Of, but then Ed is fully committed. And we see his downfall to going back to his old ways because he's so hurt. And that all felt so real and so palpable. And I think like they did a better job at relationships in this show about silly pirates than most romantic dramas and most romantic comedies do. It feels forced. It feels like a fairy tale. And sometimes fairy tales are fine, but like it feels forced. It feels put upon. It feels scripted. This didn't. Never once did this feel scripted. And that's what I liked about what drew me together, drew me to these two guys being together. And it was great. And like you said, Al, they didn't make it like, ooh, look, here's the thing. And, you know, it was just like, here's the show. You're going to enjoy this. And it was, again, respect was paid towards the characters and their relationship, which I really, again, that's like go back to Pete uh, and his relationship with uh, Lucius. It was never just a, it was never a joke. It was a real thing. So I think that's what really worked for me on this. And that's the whole thing. Like everything is sincere, except for Rory Kinnear's character who keeps accidentally murdering themselves. Um, That was amazing. So guys, let's talk about our favorite episode. Now we've mentioned a few. To me, it, it's going to have to be the fancy party, which I believe is episode four, um, which is the title is, I will tell you in a second, is uh, 
No, it's, a, it's the fifth episode. The, the fifth best episode revenge is dressing well. well. Uh, and that that that's the Nigerian prince scam. That's the fancy people on the boat. And how uh, my favorite part of that is Steed very nicely making everyone go insane by just, just passive aggressively destroying them by just saying things. And then the reveal that Nick Kroll and Kristen Shaw are brother and sister in a relationship, which then sends everything into the crazy cue, the Benny Hill music type of slapstick comedy. To me, you don't get better than that episode. There are episodes that have parts that are way more serious and wonderfully done and dramatic, but that one right there, that is the one you show to everyone to say, this is why you need to watch this show. Al, what was your favorite episode? Yeah, you kind of stole it, so I don't want to want to go. I, I did love that episode, but the one right after too, the the art of fuckery was really great too because we got to see like we got to see Ed kind of show why he has been so successful as Blackbeard, um, but also have a lot of fun with it too. And uh, I just love that the whole the the giant anytime they did like the big group dynamic when they got everyone involved. That was always a lot of fun, and I thought that was a great episode. Of course, they bring back two things in the finale of that, where Steed pulls off his fakes his death and says, now that's a fuckery. Mm-hmm. And Ed says, I am the Kraken. Because there was a story of the Kraken, which turned yeah, out. It's a big payoff episode, yeah. Kelly, I feel like you have more than one. So what's your favorite episode? Um, well, yeah, it, they're all my favorite. Um, <laughs> I would say pinnacle favorite would be this is happening um the treasure hunt episode because such like, a great line too such such a great line because it really felt like a confirmation for us the audience we were all lucius and just sitting there going this is happening <laughs> this is really happening um yeah, it just it was like a great moment, I think, of um like realization and like heart to heart for the characters um that gave it that sincereness, uh that it wasn't just you know for show and it wasn't like what the it, you felt like the characters like didn't expect it and didn't understand it and were afraid of it. Uh so like that was like the pinnacle episode where I just kind of felt like you know, it was revealed to us and it was revealed to them and like the relationships could move forward from that point. So that would be like my, my favorite episode. Um, otherwise I love the one where Blackbeard finally shows up. Um, the, I think, uh, discomfort in a married state. That was it. And I love the scene with um, Blackbeard and Steed when they are in the closet and they decide to like switch clothes and whatever. But um, just kind of like seeing Steed be himself because he like doesn't realize that he's with Blackbeard. And so you just like see this like authentic person and the way that he like almost passes out when Ed goes, oh, I'm Blackbeard. Like, that was just, like, really, really great emotional acting. And, like, just, again, like, you can't say the word sincere enough when we talk about this show. It all felt so real. So, yep. <laughs> okay. The final question is, it has been greenlit for a season, a second season. 
we left on a cliffhanger. Ed has gone off. He's reverted back to his Blackbeard days. Steed has found his crew. And of course, he only has a singular rowboat. Um, what do you, and it, as long as this goes through and there's no fuckery from HBO Max and Discovery Plus, um, what do you guys want to see in season two of Our Flag Means Death? Uh, Kelly, I'm going to go with you last. Uh, for me, I want to know that there is Rory Kinnear is going to come back because there is a third or fourth brother. There's another badminton out there who's coming for revenge. I, I don't, I know it's ridiculous, but Rory Kinnear is always so serious and he's so slapstick in this. He's wonderful. I want a third badminton and I want him to come back. Um, I also feel like you have to throw in at least one more famous pirate. Maybe Davy Jones, maybe, you know, he's in the locker, so maybe not. But there has to be another famous sort of pirate out there that they could throw in that I would love to see. Um, and obviously, we want to see our boys back together. But I just need more badminton. That's what I want. That's my one request for season three. Uh, Al, what is your uh, season two, I should say? Uh, what's your request for season two? What are you hoping for? So obviously, I want my boys back together. Uh, but I would love like a monkey wrench thrown in there. Like I thought uh, you just said, I want a monkey. I want a monkey. Like, All monkey right. would be cool. Listen, also, I also want a monkey. So no, I would like some sort of monkey wrench, uh, like a, you know, um, a third love interest or like someone to kind of be in, in between them in some capacity. And I want that to be played by John Hamm. Oh my God. <laughs> it's almost, I know. I know what I make great ideas. I, I would flip this desk, but it was too expensive. Um, <laughs> Probably too yeah. heavy and you're tired. Oh, that too. But yeah, I think that would be amazing because he, if if for whoever is listening to this and doesn't know, he's a like comedic genius as well, well as a beautiful man who is a great actor. Um, I think it'd be really fun to see this like devastatingly good looking guy either going after steed or going or or going after ed and it's like an obstacle for one of them it could work with ham because part of it so steed's real life he does end up in a, in the colonies at some point the american colonies so having someone with an american accent would play because you know you're not far off i was thinking him or chris emsworth because that would be pretty easy for him to get Hemsworth would be good. Hemsworth would be good for a one-off, like a like just like they did with Will Arnett. Just have him just come in, cause a bunch of trouble, get the fuck out. Probably dead. <laughs> amazing. God. Kelly, what is your wish list for season two? So I know this is probably going to sound pretty out there, but I also don't think it's going to sound at all out there. I would like to see Orville Peck make a cameo in some Ooh. capacity on this show. Oh my God. How is he not doing a theme song? I know. All I was thinking about while watching this was, I wonder if Orville Peck has watched this. I wonder what he thinks. You should just tweet at him. Just like, Orville. Dear Orville Peck. He was amazing. We saw him at See Here Now. That's the first time I had ever heard any of uh, Orville Peck's music. And it was amazing. Yeah, I was. Uh, I remember getting lunch with Bill. And, and he's I'm like, he's like, who's shooting next? He's like, I'm like, oh, I might go see Orville Peck. He's like, no, you have to go. 
not because she's amazing, but if you don't get photos, Kelly's going to kill you. Yeah, literally set up. <laughs> Kelly will murder you if you don't get Orville Peck pictures. And I know. visually great. Uh, yeah. Amazing singer. If you've never listened to Orville Peck, just listen. So good. Yes, absolutely. That would be amazing. But what do you want for... Um, I mean, we didn't... Uh, what about Jim? What do you want to see for Jim for season two? Being it, it kind of... Her and... Uh, oh, Christ. I always butcher his name. Um Oluwande are together at the end. What do you want to see for Jim in season two? Well, I, first of all, absolutely love that it is a relationship that's, that is like non-binary and between two people of color. So that is just something to be celebrated. I hope that it remains strong and healthy. And you know what? Wouldn't it be nice to have a relationship with no like upsets? Like that would kind of be cool if they could just mm-hmm. be together and have it be uh great. Um for Jim, I would actually like to see where they go from um the vengeance plot line because it's against the vengeance plot line. Like, you know, I I think that that's a backstory. Um, you know, it's not unreasonable, but I would like to see more for their character just in general um you know what's their favorite thing like you know what is their hopes and dreams so it's just uh definitely would just like to see this character built up and have a promising future anything else i want the first episode to start with steed rowing up on the boat and have the camera pan down and just see little lucius just sitting all grumpy in the back after being pulled out of the ocean when blackbeard kicks him off the boat that's i want it to enter on that exact scene (laughs) we i we have to get a scene of all of them trying to be in the boat as they row away 100 (laughs) percent. all right all with scurvy (laughs) no no only the swede should have scurvy (laughs) gets it again no, he, yes. Well, he's been on the island. He has his oranges. So he just pulls off another fingernail or pops another tooth. Guys, that is our podcast. That is our podcast means death. We love this show. We love this show. We want you to check it out. It's on HBO Max right now. Get into it. You for now. For listen. Let's try and, after the past two years, we gotta think goddamn positive for once. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, but before we go. We're going to plug our social media. And if you guys have any pop culture recommendations that you think people should be checking out, I didn't tell you guys in advance, but whatever. Um, what do I, when do I ever prepare? Uh, just so let people know where you're on social media and, you know, something you can recommend for people to check out. So Al, you're not our esteemed guest. Um, so you go first. Yeah. Um, you can find me at Al Manorino on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then my pop culture recommendation, I just want to make sure I get the album title right. Um, it's it one of the new albums that I listened to. Yes, it's the Misadventures of Dooms of Doom Scroller, the new album from Dawes, who can't miss. They truly can't. They make great music. Uh, another great album from them. Uh, I love that, you know, it's it's been like every month or every, almost every other week. It's like, Hey, you know, that band you like, here's a new music from them. Um, it's, it's almost like it's that it's the, uh, the meme of the guy, the knife forcing that good thing on you. It's that's how I feel every week now. Cause like 
every band that I listen to is fucking coming out with new music. Um, so I could have said 20 other different names for you, but let's go with Dawes for now. Dawes, who randomly backed uh, Grateful Dead member Phil Lesh at the Stone Pony Summer Stage last month in one of the most random pairings you can imagine. They were his backing band. Married uh, to Mandy Moore. That's who he's married. I'm like, who is Taylor Goldsmith married to? Wise, wise choice. I, I definitely, uh, I definitely, there was a random story I will tell real quick there. In high school, my best friend uh, was convinced he was talking to Mandy Moore on AOL Instant Messenger. This is right before she released her hit single Candy. And I definitely talked to this quote unquote person. I did not believe for a second it was Mandy Moore. Was it? If I ever interview her, I'm going to ask. I am totally going to ask. I'm like, do you remember this screen name from AOL Instant Messenger? Nope. Didn't think so. That's my story, and I'm sticking. So wait, there is no story. There is no ending. You still don't know if it was her. Still don't know, and that's why it's great. Uh, Kelly, you have so much to promote. You uh, you have so many cinematic adventures. Regalus. Okay. Well, first of all, you can find me at Kelly at the Movies on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and I am going to kind of repeat myself in my pop culture recommendation. The last time I was on, I was raving about Marcel the shell with shoes on. Well, folks, I can finally tell you that I saw it and I was not prepared to cry as much as I cried during this little sweet movie. Um, absolutely go see it. It's incredibly charming it's a gem it is something that i think everyone can see from all ages you know old to young um and i would also like to request anyone who is located on or around the jersey shore specifically near asbury park please go to the showroom and go see it it's going to be opening tomorrow and running through thursday of next week Oh, Kelly, uh, I, as you know, you are one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter because you just rec- you just uh, posted the new trailer for that Martin McDonough movie with uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. And I'm just like, guys, I think we should all go see it together. I think my boys are back again. Yes, I would love to see that with you specifically. Oh, in Bruges is one of my all time. Uh, I love that. I love Seven Psychopaths. Oh, good. Seven Psychopaths is so good. And in Bruges fucking classics uh, and it, listen and three billboards is very controversial but it's still a very very well-made movie. it was an impactful movie so impactful side parts of it um saw all the parts saw that parts of it saw parts of it all the ones that'll scar me for years uh the woody harrelson part yikes oh right Rough. Yeah. yes <laughs> so much so yeah uh that's when i turned it off i'm like oh, i can't cry enough today god bye uh but kelly thank you for coming on and inspiring this episode uh we love you so much thank you for being our guest and i'm glad we're getting you on the podcast more than we did last year for sure uh as for me i'm at bodkin rights whatever i talk about wrestling on twitter Okay. Um, but mostly uh, if I'm not talking about wrestling, I'm talking about, uh, yeah. Cause if you'll see stuff, if you're following me, you're like, well, Hey, Kelly is awesome. And let me follow Bill and Al. And you're like, what is Wheeler? Yuta is the next Ricky, the dragon steamboat. It's just wrestling. Don't worry about it. Um, but I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. 13 years at the end of September. So check us out every single day. We're talking music, TV, movies, pop culture, anime, pro wrestling. We've got a, 
load of comic uh, podcasts. Uh, we have a ton of shoots and interviews coming out. Our music section is finally back up and running. We're so excited for that. Al's got a Jack Johnson shoot that we're going to be posting shortly. Some other stuff on the hopper for him. We're going to be covering our first Atlantic City Beachfront concert this weekend, covering Fish, which is pretty cool. I know you who don't like jam bands, I, you know, listen, I hate shoes and I like jam bands. So sometimes we cover stuff I like. Uh, but my pop culture recommendation for you before I tell you that, actually follow the Pop Break on Twitter and uh, Instagram at the Pop Break. My pop culture recommendation for you all will be run don't walk to see amazon prime videos new series paper girls i watched that for the uh, tv break podcast which is located on the pop break tv hub on all your favorite streaming platforms um i was told by alex marcus uh, my bill versus the mcu co-host to watch that show for the podcast and i watched it and i was so pissed i had to record a podcast because this show was so great uh it's based on a graphic novel and I cannot recommend this enough. It has a very, it has, if you need the general elevator pitch, it's a little bit like Stranger Things, but a lot different and a lot in a lot cooler way. So definitely go check this out. It's like comedy and nostalgia and time travel and weird stuff. And I didn't ruin anything that's literally in the liner notes for the, for the premiere. You will love this show if you loved Our Flag Means Death. Trust me. So, for Al Manorino and Kelly McGovern, uh, we're about to sail the revenge off into the sunset. So, join us next week when we talk about Netflix's adaptation of the unfilmable comic, The Sandman. <laughs> <laughs>